My name is Dan Underhill. I am the student pastor here at Lake Hills Church, and our senior pastor, Mac Richard, is getting a much-deserved break over the holiday. Okay, I'd love to just start off with a word of prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you have a purpose and you have a calling on our life. And God, you have wired us for greatness. And Lord, I pray that today you would give us your wisdom, you would give us your vision. I pray, God, that today we would honor you with everything that we say and everything that we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Well, I get the privilege of moving on in our message series called Prison Break. And today we're going to talk about freedom from fear. Okay? But in order to start this, I figured I'd start with a story about one of my sons. See, I have two sons, Jacob and Logan. Logan is my youngest son, and Logan is the type of kid who really doesn't have a whole lot of fears. How many of you guys have one of those kids? It's just like, okay, you want to stress me out and put gray all over me, right? Because there's just no fear in them whatsoever. Well, Logan got invited to his very first, very first, mind you, sleepover. This is a big deal. Okay, so Logan gets to prepare for the very first sleepover. Someone took the time to invite him to come to their house. He was jacked. He was so excited about it. He started to get his backpack together. He started to put every toy known to man into that tiny little Iron Man backpack. Okay, all right. Then he started to get, he said, Dad, what am I going to sleep on? Buddy, we got a sleeping bag just for you. So in perfect form, perfect form, he attaches the sleeping bag to the top of the backpack and wrestles himself into it, right? And he gets ready to go. Now, as good parents that Kelly and I are, we decided at this moment to play a trick on him, as good parents do, with innocent five-year-olds, okay? So we tell him, I said, Logan, you're going to have to walk over to Sage's house, and he's like, all right. Now, see, what he didn't know is that Sage's house was about 10 miles away from where we live. But I explained to him, I said, here's what you do. You go down to the end of the street, you take a left, take another left, get out onto B Caves Road. You're going to go down B Caves Road till you get to B Caves Parkway. Bang a right on B Caves Parkway, and you're going to come to 620. Go straight across 620. Okay? Once you get over 620... You're going to come to 71. Now, that one's dangerous. Look both ways. Look both ways. Go over 620 onto Hamilton Pool. Go about another six miles. Take a right down the cul-de-sac, first house on the right. He's like, got it, Dad. And out the door he went. Now, as a good parent, what did I do next? I filmed it. I took out my phone and did what any responsible parent would do. And this is what followed. Did you, you want me to drive you to his house instead of you walking? Get in the truck, buddy. I'm going to give you a ride. Uh, no fear. Absolutely free from fear. 
having no idea that these are the dangerous roads, because you people in Texas drive crazy. Like, you know, 55 is a suggestion, 75 is more the norm, right? So he gets in, and he started, we took him to Sage's house, and he had a great time. But the thing I wanted to point out to you today as we're in the middle of this series called Prison Break is a freedom from fear. You see, Logan had absolutely no fear. And I want to walk through breaking free from that fear. See, if you go with me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, if you have your phones with you, you can look this up with the Version Bible app, or if you have your Bible, you can open up there. But if not, we will put it on the screen for you. This is what it says in Matthew 18, 3. It says, and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like one of these little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. And man, isn't that true? Isn't that true that kids have this unbelievable amount of faith? He just trusted me. In fact, if you watched uh, some of the words that we put up there, he's like, Dad, can you guide me? Buddy, just guide me, is what he said to me. And I was like, hey, no, I'll give you a ride. He goes, can't you just guide me? I'm like, you don't understand the road that's ahead. I need to put you in here and take you with me. And I want to talk today about three keys that can set us free, give us freedom from fear. Three keys that will give us the freedom from fear. The first one is a clean heart. A clean heart is absolutely imperative to us having freedom from fear. And I want to read a verse to you. It's found in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, it's very simple. The verse key that we need to slide inside of that lock in turn is confession. Being honest and being open with God and saying, God, I've made some mistakes. Because the reality is this, most of our fear comes from insecurity. And most of our insecurity comes from baggage that we carry. Things that we do or that we've got ourselves involved with that we have no right getting involved with. But as we have those things in our lives, if we hold on to them, they keep us locked in prisons. Instead of sliding the confession key in and saying, I'm going to step out of this because God says, as soon as you do that, He is faithful and he is just to not only forgive us, but to then go the next step further and cleanse us. The thing that we couldn't do ourselves, God says, I'll do it for you. I'll make you clean on the inside, the part that can't be washed. I will clean you. And I don't know about you, but that is a very, very good deal. See, 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God did not give us a spirit of fear. He didn't wire us to worry. In fact, he gave us a spirit of no fear. You see, in life, we end up in circumstances, we end up in situations where people let us down or they disappoint us. And when that happens, we then start to log it away in our memories, don't we? We're like, I don't know if I want to go out there and put myself out there again. What if I get nicked again? What if someone talks bad about me? What if someone does X, Y, Z? And as life progresses, 
we have that insecurity. But the Bible says he did not give us fear, but he gave us power and love and self-control. So the first point, again, the first key to unlocking it is a clean heart and confessing our sin. But the second key is to know who you are. You have got to know who you are. So if you put that key in, you can walk out of that cell and say, hey, man, I know who I am. And the way you know who you are is what the Bible tells you you are and what Jesus tells you to do and how to handle life. You see, there's a great verse that goes with this, and this, this may be confusing for you at first, but I promise I'll draw it in. It says this in Matthew 17, 20. It says, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You see, Jesus was looking at us saying, you have to have faith. When you operate with faith, then all of a sudden nothing is impossible. And there's an insecurity inside of each one of us that we're just not sure if it's going to work out. We're not 100% sure that everything's going to fall in line just the way it should. And when we start to pull all of that internal, then we start to worry and we start to doubt. And God said, I'm not here to give you a spirit of worry. In fact, you're a seed deposited in the earth. And if you take this example of the mustard seed, he did not say his faith the size of. When I started doing some digging into this word, he said faith like. Say like. Like a mustard seed. And as I did this, I realized a few things. Seeds appear to be cells at first glance. When you look at a seed, the seed is usually encased inside the outside covering. But the seed is absolutely not a cell. In fact, the seed has the potential to absolutely unlock fruit all over the place. And a seed grows when it's planted. A seed grows when it's planted. Where has God planted you? What has God planted you in that you need to grow with? You see, in that growing process, here's what happens to the seed. It tells us in John 12, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and it dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. Seeds grow where they're planted. You see, being planted is not a whole lot of fun sometimes. Sometimes being planted is inconvenient because when you plant a seed, it's dark. When you plant a seed, it's usually all alone. When you plant a seed, it's not usually warm and fuzzy. It's kind of cold and dark and damp. But if you stay planted, there will come a time that when you're patient and you stay faithful, God will let you rise up and become all that he has called you to be and designed you to be once you stay planted where he puts you. Obviously, I'm here from New York, so it's important that we reference the fact that God decides where to plant you. God decided to put me here in Austin. There are times where you need to move, but don't mistake that with transplanting yourself. 
Transplanting yourself ruins your ability to create fruit, to grow, to be nourished, to be healthy. If you're the one making the decisions to transplant yourself, you're then responsible for the health of yourself. But when God transplants you, he puts you in perfect order and in perfect harmony with everything he's designed for you. In fact, the scripture says he'll dig ditches of living water to you to bring everything that you need for that situation that he puts you in. Again, seeds grow where they're planted. Are you growing? How do you grow? See, seeds, when it says in Matthew, faith like a mustard seed, that just jumped out at me, like it. And I realized at that moment that seed has no ability to doubt. A seed has no ability to doubt or be afraid. It doesn't doubt its own design. It just produces. It just produces. Because it was wired by God to produce what he put inside of its DNA. You see, you have to find out what it is God has put deep inside of you in order to know what kind of fruit you're producing because there's nothing more frustrating in life than trying to produce apples if you're designed to be an orange. And similarly in our lives. Some of us are very frustrated. Some of us have this tension inside of us that we wrestle with and we grapple with and say, there's something more and you're right. There is something more. There's something deeper. There's something that you need to do. There's something God's written on your heart that only you can do. In fact, he said, you know what, angels, what we're going to do is we're going to create her. We're going to create him. And as they do, they said, the earth desperately needs this. So we're going to send him. And we have to be about that business Again, the scripture tells us, unless it falls into the earth and dies, it won't produce fruit. There becomes a pivotal moment in each one of our relationships where we give up our will and say, God, you might remember this, Lord's Prayer, not my will, but thy will be done. And at that moment, that cracks the exterior, that cracks the flesh that we wrestle with, that cracks the hard callousness of our heart and says, God, it's not about me. It's about doing what you've designed me to do. And then God says, there's nothing that can't be done. And as that happens, we recognize that we were made to multiply. We were absolutely made to multiply, not just add to each other. We were made to multiply. Now, I don't know about you, but I've done my job. I got four kids. I multiplied, okay? But don't miss it. It's not just about having children. It's about what is inside of you that produces life, that grows by itself, What is it that God has designed you and created you for? That inner ambition, that instinct that's inside of you that never seems to go away. No matter how much you ignore it, no matter how much you walk away from it, you say, there's something more. I know there's something more. I'm dissatisfied with the situation normal. I'm dissatisfied with the way things continue to be. There's something inside of you, and I would suggest to you that that's divine DNA. 
I would suggest to you that God has more purpose on your life than you may be aware of. God may be calling you to do something that he couldn't use other people to do. In fact, he sent you here to do that exact thing. But what we have to do is submit to him and say, okay, I'll do it. I'll seek my father. In fact, just like Logan said, Dad, can you guide me? Maybe we need to take the words of a five-year-old a little more serious and go, Dad, can you guide me? Because a seed has life in it. It should be producing after itself a harvest. You see, if I take one seed, if I took an apple and I cracked it open, you see a bunch of seeds inside. If I put that seed into the ground, would it only produce one more seed? No. Every seed develops an orchard. And God has designed you, according to what he's saying in Matthew, to multiply and to create an abundance around you. Other people that need to be invested in by you, for his church, the hope of the world. Who are we discipling? Who are we training up to be the next worship leaders that are writing songs behind us? Who are we training up to be great businessmen who will actually fuel the work of the ministry at Lake Hills? Who are we designing to be the next pastors, the next teachers, the next lawyers, the next accountant? Who are we investing in and discipling and producing life inside of that God has designed us and wired us to invest in? You see, you go to an awesome church. You go to a phenomenal church where it does not matter what your age is, there's an opportunity for you here at Lake Hills. We have high schoolers that are leading middle schoolers to the Lord and discipling them in the way they should go because how many of you know high schoolers can make bad decisions in high school? And they're there to say, hey, you don't have to go that way. Go this way. We have that happening here. We have middle schoolers they're trying to disciple elementary kids to say, hey, look, you know, I know you're crazy running around. Something shiny rolled across the floor. So you're like, what's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? Right? But they're like, hey, it might not be about trying to act cool. It might just be about being in love with Jesus. They're here, and there's an opportunity for you. It does not matter what your age is. It matters what your DNA says. So you have to know who you are in order to unlock that prison of fear and be free from it. I want to read you a quote. This is from Mark Batterson. It says, when everything is said and done, God won't say, well said, good and faithful servant. He won't say, well thought, well planned, or even well prayed. There is only one commendation he will give well done good and faithful servant what needs to get done what is it that's inside of you that God is calling out as a divine design inside of you to unlock unlimited potential inside of your life to produce a harvest of fruit that remains and establishes the next generation you see you're never too old to invest there are gentlemen around the country that I call that are 20, 30 years older than I am to say, how do I do what God's called me to do? It does not matter your age. It matters your DNA. 
So you have to know who you are. And the third key to unlocking the prison of fear and give you freedom from fear is to know whose you are. Because when you know whose you are, you know what the DNA is. You know that your father is a heavenly father that desires good gifts for his children. There's no room for fear. You're just full of expectation. Your eyes are full of wonder. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen in your life. It means that they don't dictate your response to the bad things. Your God determines your response. And as he does, he says, no, no, no. All things. Say all things. All things work together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose, the scripture says. And if all things work together, that means even if I run into some difficulty, God has got my right hand. God will help me through this. And in fact, if I'm a seed planted in the earth and it's dark and I feel isolated, then I know that even this darkness is helping produce the strength inside of me to create a harvest in someone's life where people can come and be a part of my life and it's sweet and it's nourishing and it tastes great. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. People are tasting your life by your testimony. What is your testimony? I know I want mine to be. I want mine to be one that leaves a legacy far beyond, far beyond what I was raised in. My cultural context My family's DNA, I transferred and said, God, I choose your family because your family is a whole lot less nuts than my personal family. But attaching into that is key to breaking free from fear. This is what it says in Isaiah 41, 13. It says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. You know what the right hand represents in Scripture? The right hand is power. I find it interesting that God did not say the left hand. He said the right hand. And the right hand of God symbolizes power in the Scripture. God is not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power. You don't have to be dominated by life circumstances. You don't have to be pushed around by them. Instead, God says, no, 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 I'm right here beside you, and I will grab your hand, and I will help you walk through this so you'll be stronger for walking through it than giving up and quitting in the middle of it. The right hand also represents authority. There are things in our lives that sometimes take authority over us. And all the way back to my first point, confession is that moment where you take authority back and you say, no, 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 you can't have a handle on me. You can't own me. I know that that's where I might have come from. I know that that's what my family always did. But you don't have that kind of authority on my life. God has a plan and a divine design for my life. And I'm going to take authority over that thing. And I'm going to walk a whole new legacy and leave a path of fruit instead of destruction. God has designed you to take authority. The other thing that the right hand represents is ownership. Skin in the game. The right hand says ownership. What is it God's designed you to do? I hope you're seeing that there's an overwhelming theme to this message. What has he written on your heart to do that you need to take ownership with? Because you've ignored for a long time 
Or maybe you've been scared or worried, but what if it doesn't work out? Give it a shot. Give it a run. You have no idea who might be sitting next to you. You might have no idea who the person is that you're influencing. You have no idea who you might be discipling. Because there are world changers next to you. The future of the church is sitting right beside you. I want to tell you a few names that you may not recognize, but you'll see my point. There was a Sunday school teacher. His name was Edward Kimball. Thank God for the, ne- the one generation that leans back into the next generation and says, I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to care. I'm going to do the difficult because I have a lot of time, okay? All this extra time in my schedule. No, we don't have that extra time in our schedule. We're busy people. But we carve out the time to say we're going to invest in the next generation. We're going to invest where God's designed us to invest. And as Edward Kimball desi- invested, he invested in one student. His name was D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody found his divine DNA because of a faithful Sunday school teacher. Because someone took seriously the call and design on their life. D.L. Moody was an evangelist, among many other things. But he then led J. Wilbur Chapman to the Lord. And J. Wilbur Chapman led Billy Sunday to the Lord. Billy Sunday went into the ministry and was a preacher. Billy Sunday led a man named Mordecai Ham to the Lord. Mordecai Ham led Billy Graham to the Lord. Thank God for men and women who will be faithful to teach Sunday school lessons to the next generation because Billy Graham has changed the landscape of America. That man has led thousands upon thousands of people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, forever changing their eternal trajectory because of them obeying their divine design. So let's go back to Logan. Can you guide me, Dad? I hope this encourages you. I hope this inspires you. My prayer is that you would walk out of here saying, I'm going to seek God's divine design and I'm going to give it a shot because he's planted something deep inside of you that only you have and this world desperately needs. But it's up to you whether or not you're going to unlock it or it stays in a fear prison. I want to encourage you to set it free. Go after everything God's dreamed and had for you. And there will be bumps. There will be failures. That doesn't matter. The God who wrote all those designs on your heart has an answer and a plan B and plan C and plan D to help you because he's that kind of dad. I would never have let my son walk across 71. Uh Uh-uh. I would have wrecked some cars to protect them. And you have a God who would never lead you where he would not keep you. You have a God who loves you and designed you for a purpose, and he wants you to be blessed beyond measure. You were made to multiply. Give him a shot. Bow your heads with me. You see, on a weekend like this, we pray. We seek God. For those who might be in this room who would say, you're talking about a God that I'm not connected with, but I desperately want to be connected with that God. 
we pray for you to be here. And we want to let you know that today is your opportunity. Today is a moment that God designed as a part of your DNA to say, here's where you could lay your life down because you and I got separated and I want you back. I choose you because I have great plans. I have greatness written on your DNA. I want to do amazing things in the earth and I want to do it through you. The question is, will you submit yourself, confess your sin, and he will be so faithful and so just to forgive you and cleanse you. And it's the beginning of being planted where God wants you and producing unbelievable fruit in your life that could inspire others to produce more fruit in their lives. If you're here today and you say, Dan, it's like this message is right aiming at my heart. That's me with heads bowed, eyes closed, and nobody looking around. Would you mind just raising your hand and saying, would you pray for me because I needed this. I need to drive a stake in the ground today and say, not my will, but yours be done. While you have your hand raised, just quietly to yourself, you can say a quiet prayer just like this. Say, God, I choose you. Would you forgive me of my sins? And if you'll, if you'll forgive me, I will run and not grow weary. I will walk and not be faint. I will wait on you. I will do what you've designed me to do because you've called me with a purpose. And if you did that, we would love to know about it. It's important you mark that moment and you tell someone because difficulty will come. Lord knows life is not always easy. But with each other, we're much stronger than we are when we're isolated. And we want to stand beside you, stand along with you and say, we love you. We're here for you. How do we help? And we have a tradition here at Lake Hills Church. As you put your hands down, we put our hands together and say, welcome home.